And then um, last thing is offering tonight. Uh, of course, you know we don't pass an offering plate on Sunday nights. But we have these boxes. There's one right in the back that says offering. And right there in the center under the clock. And there's one right here. Uh, but tonight we're going to take a special offering for George and his ministry, ministry to Muslims. And so tonight if you'd like to make an offering just to support what he's doing, in the memo check, just put George, because I think that'll be easiest for you guys to remember. And you can just drop in the offering boxes, and then we'll, we will uh, give a donation to his ministry. And um, I just want to say before we get started, you know, our church, the the motto of our church or the purpose of our church is knowing Jesus Christ and making him known. That's what we want to do. We're about fulfilling the Great Commission, making disciples and preaching and proclaiming the gospel. And, uh, you know, when we talk about the issue of speaking to Muslims, there's a lot of fear there, I think, among most of us. There's fear about talking to a Muslim or if you see someone in a burqa. And, um, I, I, I'm so excited to have George here tonight because I think he's going to help you with a lot of that fear. George has been arrested in Dearborn, Michigan for just preaching the gospel. And uh, he'll be sharing about that. To, or I'm not sure if he's going to share with that. But uh, Romans says something interesting. In Romans chapter 10, it says, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But then it asks the question, Well, how will they call on whom who have they not believed if they haven't heard? If no one's shared with them the gospel, how can they call? upon the name of the Lord to be saved. And so, so we can't just turn blind eyes towards a whole community that doesn't know Jesus Christ. They can't know the gospel of peace without someone going to, to share with them. And guys, God's put them in our community so that we can be faithful with the gospel. So I, I'm praying that tonight as George speaks, it will really help demystify some things, help you have a heart and grow a heart for the Muslim community so that you can share the gospel with them. Without any further, I want to bring up George Saig. And uh, George is uh, from Ministry to Muslims. That's his ministry. He's actually a missionary from Calvary Chapel, Anaheim. That's, he's on their, their missions group. And George, it's all yours. Thank you, brother. Thank you so much. Um, good evening. not really working from there, but Let me see if I can get that going. Okay. Is that me or you? Ah. False hope. <laughs> okay, then we just need to do it faster in order to be able to catch up. Just uh, I want to ask you if you can stand up and and I'm going to ask you to close your eyes, and you're going to say, yeah, right. You're seeing wires coming out of my pocket, and uh, you're going to be nervous. But this is just a microphone, guys, nothing else. Okay. Nothing. No problem. Okay, um, this is just a microphone, nothing else, guys. Be, don't be nervous. But we can joke here about it, but in the Middle East, there's no joke about it. Our brothers and sisters going through persecution right now. Many people being beheaded. Many women being enslaved, being sold. The Bible says if one member suffers, the whole body suffers. And there are our brothers and sisters in Christ. 
Let's pray for them. Heavenly Father, we just come to you this evening and we left our brothers and sisters in Syria, Iraq, Sudan, Libya, even in Egypt and other parts of the world, Lord. I do pray that you be with them, Lord Jesus. Empower them, Lord. Give them the strength. I pray that they will know they are not forgotten or forsaken. Lord, I pray that you give them the comfort, Lord, especially for those that lost their loved ones, Lord. I pray that you give them the ability to love their enemies and to forgive them, Lord. Lord, we do want to lift the leaders of ISIS, the leaders of Al-Hamas, Boko Haram, Al-Shabaab, all these terrorist organizations, Lord, PLO and others, Muslim Brotherhood. Lord, I want to lift them to you, Lord Jesus, their leaders, Lord, knowingly that you have the ability to change their hearts, Lord Jesus. Lord, we just left them to you, Lord, and we ask you for nothing less than their salvation, that they may turn around and repent, Lord Jesus. That they may turn around and follow you as a Lord and Savior. You've done it before with Paul. You've done it with each one of us. us. And I just pray, Lord, that you will visit these people, Lord Jesus. Capture them. I pray they will have no rest until they turn around and follow you, Lord. We thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. You can have a seat. Thank you. Uh, the subject is, was um, overcoming the fear of reaching your Muslim neighbors. Uh, you can ask me what kind of fear. There's many different kind of fears that we're dealing with when it comes to Islam. We as a church that we are not reaching out to Muslims because we are afraid. We're afraid, first of all, of the violence that we, we hear about and we see on TV and just recently in Florida and before that in San Bernardino County. And it's going to happen more and more. Yes, that's, that's a valid fear that there's really, I cannot come and lie to you and tell you that Islam teaches peace. Islam does not teach peace. From beginning of the Quran to the end of the Quran is the sword. And they believe that the time will not come until they will conquer the whole world, will be submitted under the rule of Islam. And that's, that's true. But are we to be surprised? Jesus told us in the world we're going to have tribulation, but we have to trust that he overcome the world. He told us that, that we're going to be persecuted for his name's sake. Yes, we're trying to be in as comfortable as possible today in, in the church in America. But our brothers and sisters, they are going through persecution right now. A lot of time we comfort ourselves with the fact that we're going to be out of here before the tribulation. But we are not better than our brothers and sisters. We may going to go through persecution even now. But also there's fear of not knowing what kind of objections Muslims have. When we're reaching out to them, they can object to the deed of Christ, they can object to other uh, Christian theology, and how we can respond to them. That's also a fear of not knowing what kind of objections they have and what, how we can respond to them. But also with dealing with the other side also, that the Muslims themselves have controlled by fear. The penalty of leaving Islam is death. But also, not just the physical fear that they have, but the only unforgivable sin in Islam 
is to believe Jesus is God. The only unforgivable sin in Islam is to believe in shirk, which to believe in more than one God. When we say Jesus is God or God's son, they think that we worship more than one God and that's the unforgivable sin in Islam. Why I'm telling you this? Because I want you to pray against the fear that controlling the Muslims and stopping them from following Christ, but also the fear that is stopping us from reaching out to these people that the Lord brought here, and many of them coming to be free, but we know as Christians the only way for them to be free indeed is through the gospel of Jesus. Next. This is Paul's prayer toward the Jews, toward Israel. My uh, brethren's Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they may be saved. For I bear them a record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. And this is my prayer for the Muslims. I lived among them. I was never a Muslim. I was born in Sudan, in North Sudan, among the Muslims. I know they are so passionate for what they believe. They think they worship the true God, but they don't know him. They don't know the true God. They think their God is the creator of the universe. How I know he's not the same God? We're going to see in a minute from the Quran by his own admission that he is not the God of the Bible. And we're gonna, I'm going to tell you why. But not according to knowledge. They don't know the true God. They think they know him. But they're willing to die for their God. Because thinking that their God ordering them to die for him, to kill others for him, they're willing to do it. They pray five times a day. They wake up really early in the morning to wash themselves. And they're very committed for what they believe. They are so passionate and zealous. Even though they don't worship the true God, but they really meant to worship the creator of the universe. And when they are crying out to the creator of the universe, even though they don't know him, many Muslims coming to Christ through dreams and visions. Because the true God, our God, he knows their heart when they are really seeking him. And Jesus revealed himself to them in dreams and visions. The majority of Muslims coming to Christ is through dreams and visions. Next. Who's the God of this world? Satan, the God of this world, blinded their eyes. Next, He's in the Quran in chapter 3 verse 54 it says this, and they were deceiving and Allah was deceiving for Allah is the best of the deceiving ones. By his own admission in the Quran, Allah of the Islam not Allah of the Bible, because we do use in the Arabic Bible the word Allah. But our Allah is not the Muslim's Allah. Our Jehovah is not Jehovah Witnesses' Jehovah. Our God is not the Muslim's God. The problem is not the word. The problem, when you see the character of the God of the Quran being called the deceiver, the best of all the deceiver ones. That's not our God. He admitting to be the father of lies, Satan. They can tell you, if you, if you bought the Quran, 
they changed the word deceiver to planner. But the word makara, there's no positive meaning for it. It's cheating, deceiving, any negative meaning that's related to that deception part, is, that's what that word is. There's no positive. But they change it to planner. The best of all planners. Let's say, my Muslim friend, Allah, the best of all planners, would you trust him as your God? In chapter 7, verse 99, where they feel secure from the deception or the plan of Allah, none feel secure from the deception or plan of Allah except people shall lose. If you trust Allah, even if it meant planner, if you trust Allah's plan for your life, you're going to lose in the day of judgment. That's in the Quran, in chapter 7, verse 99. This information is not for you to go and give it to your Muslim friends. You start your conversation with them, saying your God is a false God, your prophet is a child molester, this, that, and you're, they're not going to listen to you. Don't go that way. My brother, he's from Sudan. He lives in Sudan right now. He's a pastor. He always say, don't cut someone's nose. After that, give him a flower to enjoy the smell. He's not going to be able to. Better is to preach the gospel to them. Once they know our God, they will do the comparison. They will know our God is not their God. They will know the problem with their God. Let's just preach the gospel to them. But this information is for you to know why they are deceived. Because they're following the best of all deceivers. If they're following the best of all deceivers, then they are deceived and they're the victim of the God of this world, Satan. I want you to take the Muslims from the category of enemies to put them in the category of loss without hope, loss without salvation, like sheep without a shepherd, victim, victims of this God of this world. If we want to reach out to them and we have hatred in our hearts against them, they're going to see that. We are not to get into political arguments and trying just to win political points because we can win that, but it's still they're lost without hope. They're going to hell without salvation. I know as American, being Christian does not make you a bad citizen. It makes you a better citizen. I, I do support you to vote, to vote for the right people. I do support you to stand for immigration rights good policies to control our borders because being Christians does not mean we just open our doors and bring people that they will change and reshape our country. We do need to do our part as citizens as well. But our ultimate job here, the Lord allow us to be in this world to be ambassadors, to, be, to preach the gospel to those that God bringing from all over the world to us here. Those here right now, that's what we need to reach out to them is the gospel. They're all around you in Orange County. I cannot believe it if you tell me you don't know or you don't see a Muslim. Do you go to the gas station? Gas station cashier? It's a Muslim. Most of the time, right? Next. Okay, the spiritual attacks, they attack the deity of Christ. And you need to understand, Islam attacks the heart of Christianity. If Jesus is not God, 
he's not good enough to pay for your sin. Islam attacks the heart of Christianity by attacking the deity of Christ. Next, attacking the crucifixion. Paul says what? If Jesus did not rise from the dead, our faith is in vain. If Jesus did not die, how can he rise from the dead? Muslims denying the death of Jesus. I cannot say Islam denies that because there's nowhere in the Quran really said Jesus was not crucified. The Quran says that the Jews did not crucify him and they have many interpretation to that. Our sin caused him to die. The Jews did not crucify him because they were not in authority to crucify him. The Romans were in power. Also, Jesus say, I came to lay down my life. I can interpret that verse in many different ways, but the majority of Muslims in the world, they deny the crucifixion. They link the verse I just told you, Allah, the best of all deceivers, they deceive, the Jews deceive, to kill Jesus. But Allah is more deceiver than the Jews. He took Jesus and put someone else on the cross and made them all to think that Jesus died on the cross. But God took him and put someone else. The problem is that Allah, he deceived the best followers of Jesus to think that Jesus died. He deceived the mother of Jesus to believe Jesus died. He deceived his followers to the point that they put their life down for something that is a lie. If you ask a Muslim, is the crucifixion a lie? They will tell you, yes, it's a lie. If you ask them, who invented the lie, God or Satan? They will say Satan. But actually, according to the Quran, if that's the interpretation they're going with, to say that the Quran teaches that Jesus was not crucified, that's the only interpretation that God is the one invented. Allah of Islam, he invented the lie. And he deceived the billions of people in the world that they believe Jesus died because he took him and put someone else in the cross. Why I want to follow a God that I cannot trust? Why I want to follow a God that he deceived the best followers of Jesus? It's, it's very, very, very sad that they, they cannot see. Why they cannot see it? Because they are, uh, their eyes is blinded. And we need always to remember that the God of this world blinded their eyes. And that's why we need to be patient and be loving, but share the gospel with them because there's nothing stronger than the word of God that can change their hearts. People come from seminar to seminar, from teaching to teaching, trying to find the magical way of reaching out to Muslims. There's no magical way. There's the word of God. It works with everybody else. Just the gospel message that they need to hear. We have a Saudi Arabian lady that she came to Christ and she came and shared her testimony with our group at Calvary Chapel Anaheim. And we asked her, what could we done differently to make the process faster for you to come to know Christ? She said, just read the word of God right there in the spot with me. We give her the Bible she say, it was the hardest thing ever for her just to carry the Bible, to open the Bible, attack after attack, preventing her from opening the word. She said, read the word of God, preach and proclaim the word of God when you're talking to these people. Print the Sermon of the Mount, on the Mount. There's nothing like that in the teaching of Islam. One day, every Friday, we go to the mosques. Every single Friday, we stand outside the mosques in Orange County, in Los Angeles County, in Arizona, and other places. 
when they're coming out, we give them Bibles. And one guy, he called me later on and because he read the Sermon on the Mount. And he was just crying tears. He said, how can nobody ever told me about this before? I lived over 20 years in this country. No one, none of my Christian friends dared to tell me about that. He said he hated his enemies. But this day, only this day when he read this, love your enemy and pray for those persecute you. He said, I can truly say I can love my enemies. Only by accepting Christ in my life. Read the word of God. There's nothing more stronger than that, than the word of God to give them. Next. When you defend the deity of Christ and when you defend the crucifixion from the Bible, what are they going to do? They're going to tell you your Bible being corrupted, your Bible being changed. That's always the point. Always, that's the main thing. Your Bible being corrupted. When, and they're going to tell you, we have, you have many Bibles and we have only one perfect Quran. All Muslims of the world, they have the same exact Quran, but you guys have many Bibles. Make sure you ask them to clarify what they meant by you have many Bibles. Sometimes they meant translations. Guess what? There is 32 translations of the Quran, if that's the case. Sometimes they meant the Gospel of John, Luke, Matthew. That's a good point. Right away, take advantage of that objection to explain what does it mean, Gospel. Tell them there's only one Gospel. It's the Gospel of Jesus, the good news, that Jesus came to the world to die for our sins and just preach the Gospel. And these four eyewitnesses just reported the same story. Show them that the word gospel here does not mean it's different books. And open your Bible, show them the four gospels in one book. But it's only one gospel, it's the gospel of Jesus. But also they meant sometimes manuscripts. There's variances in the manuscripts we have, which is true. But these variances does not change the fact that Jesus is God, does not change the fact that Jesus died for our sin. Even if we want to remove the New Testament, if we want to go with the Old Testament, in the Old Testament, in the book of Isaiah alone, we can have the entire gospel message. Isaiah 53, the crucifixion, but also the, I believe it's Isaiah 9, when we talk about calling Jesus uh, over uh, everlasting Father, uh, Prince of Peace, and, and Almighty God, actually also the same verse, um, even from the Old Testament, which is amazing because we have the Dead Sea Scrolls, goes 200 years before Jesus, 800 years before Muhammad, and is exactly what we have today. Yes, there's a small variances, but does not change the message. We never, as Christians, we never claim that the Bible coming down from heaven as a book. Mormons claim that. Muslims claim that. But we never claim the book as a book coming down from heaven. We do believe the inspiration of the word of God is perfect. We do believe the inspiration. How is Bible being inspired? Holy men of God were moved by the Holy Spirit. These holy men of God, they were like a pen in the hand of God. There's no place for corruption for the word of God. But when people make copy from copy from copy, sometimes one of them will make a note 
and decide, and the next one he thinks that note is part of the word of God, and he will add it as the word of God. That's why in King James Bibles, there's very verses that they did not find in other manuscripts. Maybe it is still in your Bible, and but they will put, they will include a note that these verses are not found in other manuscripts. But these verses does not change one thing from the, what we believe. It's absolutely going to make no difference if these verses, you remove them or left them. It's not changing anything from the word of God. But if we claim that the Bible coming down from heaven as a book and this variance is there, yes, it's a problem for us. But because we never claim that the Bible coming down from heaven as a book, we never claim the book is perfect 100%. We do believe the inspiration is perfect. Next. This is usually what, where I start with a Muslim, the Bible or the Quran. Why the Bible or the Quran? One of them has to be true. It cannot be both true. Why? Because they contradict each other. One of them has to be true. Next. They believe that God, you have to do it quicker. Next, 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 next. The gods sent the old stuff. <laughs> okay. Uh, God sent the Old Testament and the Jews corrupted it. And God sent the Psalms and the people, followers of David corrupted. God sent the New Testament and the followers of Jesus corrupted. But now God sent the Quran. You will tell them if this God did not know the future that this book is going to be corrupted. And he trusted men to protect it and they did not do their job. Three times he did not learn his lesson. Why should I trust in another book of him? If this God, weak God, that he could not protect his word, why should I believe in the Quran if he's the same God that revealed the Quran as well? How I know if the Quran is not going to be corrupted as well? Next. Next, next, next. That's the question mark you're going to need to ask. Why? How can I trust the Quran is not going to be corrupted? Go, next. Next, next. Okay. They believe that the Quran is eternal, perfect, and changed. This not just they believe, but that does the Quran claim to be perfect, eternal, and changed. Not even one letter is different. All books in the world is the same exact Quran. Next. Next. Okay. Next, I already went through that. Uh, inspiration, holy men of God were led by the, moved by the Holy Spirit. Next. Okay, can someone read this verse, this passage very loud? I'm sorry. <laughs> Go ahead. It was narr narrated that Aisha said, the verse of stoning and of breastfeeding in adults in times was revealed, and the paper was with me under my pillow. When the messenger of Allah Next. This is a fact. These verses are not longer in the Quran because a sheep ate it. God said, I trusted the Christian and the Jews and the followers of David to do their job. They did not do it. Now I'm going to protect the Quran myself. Now a sheep came and ate it. Next. Again, brother. Surah 
Hussein Ka'ab, Muhammad's top student and other early Muslims, held that a phrase and he is a father of them is missing from this verse. It's not longer that phrase in that Quran. How can he tell me it's perfect? How can he tell me it's unchanged? I'm sorry, brother, I should have told you earlier. But you're doing a good job pronouncing these names. <laughs> now, Ubay ibn Ka'ab, who's Ubay ibn Ka'ab? Ubay ibn Ka'ab is one of the top four Muhammad said, if you forgot the Quran, go to him. Go to these four, including Ubay ibn Ka'ab. He said they are the best memorizers of the Quran. The Quran was not meant to be a book. The word Quran, it means to recite, to memorize. When the Quran says people of the book, it meant Christians and Jews, not Muslims, because there was no book it called Quran. But Ubay ibn Ka'ab, he should, he should take his opinion because Muhammad, he said, you go to him if you forgot the Quran. And in his Quran, this phrase is not found today in our Qurans. Next. Go ahead, brother. One of Muhammad's companions, Abu Musa, supported this claim when he said that the early Muslims forgot two chapters due to laziness. And we can find that in Sahih Muslim. Two, two, eight, six. Now God wants to do it better. He rely on the memory of people and they forgotten two chapters. Our ministry, we took the task to make available an accurate translation of the Quran because there's no accurate translation available today. Around five years ago or four years ago, we flew around 25 individuals that they became Muslims and left Islam. We brought them to Calvary Chapel Pacific Coast. We interviewed them why they became Muslims and why they left Islam. They all agreed when they became Muslims, they had no clue what Islam was because there's no accurate translation of the Quran is available. Uh, available. But they, when they discover what Islam is, they left. And that's why we took the task of retranslating the Quran to make it an available translation, accurate translation. Pray for us because we... We finished all the work, but now we're just want looking for volunteers to review the English grammar and stuff like that. But we adding two chapters. These two chapters, they say they lost. We found them. We're adding them back to the Quran to show them it is not perfect Quran all across the world. These two chapters need to be back because Ubay ibn Kaab also has them in his book that they should take it from him because Muhammad said, go to him if he forgot the Quran. Next. This is the two chapters we're adding back to the Quran. Next. They found six manuscripts, a little bit, maybe even more, but this six manuscripts, next. Next. These two scholars from Turkey, they looked at these manuscripts and they came to the conclusion none of them is Osmanic. What does that mean, Osmanic? The fourth, the, sorry, the third successor, Usman, He's the one commanded the collection of the Quran and to print it as a book. When he put it, he chose which one is the Quran and he burned all other manuscripts and of the Quran to make it all just one perfect Quran. But he's not a prophet. He's not sent by God. He's just a successor, a leader, or a governor. And he decided to do it himself. And he decided which one is the Quran word of God, which one is not, and he burned the rest. But many people hid their Qurans. And these six manuscripts is from the hidden Qurans that they hid it because they don't want it to be burned. But no one until now, they can find a manuscript for the Osmanic Quran. 
the Quran that they have all across the world, there's no manuscript to it. The six manuscripts, none of them match what they have all across the world. How can you tell me it's perfect and change eternal? Next. Uh, professor or Dr. Daniel from Rice University, he looked at them and he came with this conclusion. There's taping, inserting, the inserting words, um, inserting like this word here, taping, uh, erasing, and erasing and overriding, and overriding without erasing. How can he tell me it's perfect? How can he tell me it's unchanged? And this is the, they can look at you in the eyes and they're going to tell you, we have one Quran and you have many Bibles. You need to be ready to tell them that, no, that's not true. Show me the manuscripts. Next. The Quran is not perfect. The Quran is not eternal. The Quran is not perfect. The Quran has been changed. Next. Okay, I want to ask you. Um... We believe, as I told you earlier, the, the Bible also, the manuscript, the physical paper Bibles, there's changes and variances. Then the car, even the Bible does not meet that requirement. Eternal, unchanged, perfect. We cannot say that about the physical Bible. But who has the unchanged, perfect, eternal word of God? We or them? The Bible, what's the Bible? The Bible tells us about Jesus. Everything about Jesus is in the Bible. Jesus is coming. Jesus came. What did he do in, in this world? And, and Jesus will come back again. Next. Okay. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word was God. Who's the Word? Jesus. Jesus is the Word of God. The Quran says the Messiah, Jesus, son of Mary, is but apostle of God and his word. Even the Quran agrees that Jesus is the word of God. But the Quran does not stop there. The Quran continues to say that when the angel coming to Mary to give her the good news that she's going to have a baby, he called Jesus a holy boy or as a translation, sinless son. Then the Quran agrees that Jesus is perfect. There's nowhere else, um, let's say it differently, N never been said about Muhammad that being sinless in the Quran, but it's about Jesus. But it does the Quran say that John the Baptist, I just don't want you to go to a Muslim and say the Quran says that only Jesus is sinless because the Quran does teach that John the Baptist is sinless as well. And the Hadith, the Hadith, what is the Hadith? The Quran is supposed to be word of God. The Hadith is the collections of things that Muhammad said. According to the Hadith that Muhammad said that only Jesus and his mother are sinless. When they were born, Satan did not touch them. But anyone else when they, in, at their birth, Satan will touch them. But also another Hadith it says only Jesus, not even his mother. This is one rule you need to know about the Quranic and Islamic teaching. If the Quran said one thing, don't assume the Quran will not say the opposite. Always contradictions. This is the only thing, always the Quran agree, there's contradiction. That's the only thing that all across the Quran and the Islamic teaching is all across always, is contradiction. Um, yeah, next. Okay, then the Quran is not perfect, Jesus is. The Quran is not, 
Sorry, the Quran is not eternal. Jesus is. The Quran is not perfect. Jesus is. The Quran has been changed. Jesus never changed. Yesterday, today, and forever. Then the right comparison should not be the Bible or the Quran. Uh, it's really Jesus uh, or the Quran. Because according to the claims of the Quran, it has to be perfect and change eternal. Only Jesus can meet that. But the Bible tells us about Jesus. The Quran does not tell us about Muhammad. Then that's why Jesus and the Bible, sorry, Jesus and the Quran is in the same level. The Bible tells us about Jesus. What tells us about Muhammad is the Hadith. His life reported there, what he said. This is in the same level, the Bible and the Hadith. Now, the Bible, there's no contradictions. The Hadith is full of contradictions. The Bible is a word of God. The Hadith is a word of man. According to them, any Muslim will admit that the Hadith is a word of man, not God. Now, Jesus, I cannot compare him with Muhammad because Jesus, not just a prophet. He's a prophet, but he's not just a prophet. But Muhammad claimed to be just a prophet, not even a prophet, apostle. Muhammad never claimed to be God, but Jesus did claim to be God. Then we cannot compare Muhammad and Jesus. We compare Muhammad with prophets from the Old Testament. Let's say David. Muhammad, he did the same thing that David did. David looked at a woman, desired her, bring, brought her, committed adultery with her. Was God happy with him? No. But Muhammad, he went to visit his adopted son. That wind came, opened part of the tent. He saw his cousin formally, and after that she became his stepdaughter. Stepdaughter? Yeah, no, daughter-in-law. Daughter-in-law. Is it stepdaughter or daughter? He, she's married to his son. Daughter-in-law, I'm sorry. What's wrong with me today? Um, she, he saw his daughter-in-law half naked. He desired her. He did not say anything until the Quran, Allah, told him when Zayd, his son, satisfied his sexual desire from her, we given her to you. This is the difference. God is a holy God that he would not encourage sin, but now here the God of Islam encouraging and giving Muhammad the desire of his heart. If we compare that, we don't claim that our prophets are sinless. They are sinful just like us, but God works with them. God, he trying to clean them up and he put them in difficult situation. But even his own people, when they go out of line, what he does, he will raise their enemies to take over them and he will put them in slavery. And he, again, they come back, he will accept them back again. But in Islam, Allah is the one encouraging them to do sin. Like Muslims, they kill those that worship idols while in the Kaaba, the black building, they have the black stone was worshipped by idol worshippers across before Muhammad. And now Muslims across the world facing the Mecca is still worshipping and bowing down that, to that black stone. How can you kill the, those that worshipping idols while you are doing it yourself? They say that they're objecting to the fact that we worship Jesus as God while every time they say Muhammad's name, what do they say? They translate it to you, peace be upon him. But that's not true. It says, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, God pray upon him. The Muslims ask him at that time, 
Does Allah pray? He said, God and his angels pray upon me. I don't know what does it mean to be pray upon me, but he left himself in a place where God worshiping Muhammad. They're objecting to us worshiping a man, his name is Jesus, while their God worshiping a man, his name is Muhammad. You have to know this stuff because especially for the younger people here, there's something called MSA, Muslim, Islamic, uh, Muslim Student Union or Student Association, Muslim Student Association, something like that. They are ready for you to bring you to Islam. Around 25,000 students every year converting to Islam in our campuses. I saw a Muslim giving a Bible to a young Christian guy, tell him, show me the word Trinity in your Bible and I will become a Christian today. And the kid, he could not find the word Trinity. And many of people, because of that one objection, they will leave Christianity. We believe in Trinity. They believe in something called Tawheed. God is just one. Guess what? If a Muslim used that argument with me, I will give him the Quran. Show me the word Tawheed in the Quran. It's not there. Right away, he's going to tell you the concept of Tawheed is there. I told him exactly the concept of the Trinity is there. We have to know this simple stuff in order to be able not just to answer their objections, but to also share the gospel with these people. We have to understand what they believe. We have to know who they are and what, how their culture works and reaching, we should not women reach men and men reach women. We have to be sensitive to culture and stuff like that. If a, sisters, if a Muslim man came in acting like he wanted to know the gospel, you know what? Tell him, great, talk to the pastor, arrange a meeting, let him meet with the pastor. If he's really interested in the gospel, we'll continue. If he just wants to go ahead and continue talking to you, he's not interested in the gospel. He's interested in green card, actually. Go, go ahead next. Okay, we're going to go back again to the Bible or the Quran. This is the final point here, and I'm going to ask you to come and do it. Say what I'm going to say. Be attention. This is every single Muslim objection. They're going to object to you. You're going to answer it with this few verses, even just two of them. Every objection they bring to you. Go, go next, please. Okay. The Bible or the Quran? Why they cannot be both true? You have to tell me that. Shout it. Why they cannot be both true? They contradict each other. They contradict. They cannot be both true because one God cannot give two different messages against each other. He will not contradict himself. Their God contradict himself, but the true God will not contradict himself. The Bible or the Quran only. If the Bible being, if the Bible is true word of God today as we have it, then the Quran cannot be the word of God. Why? Because it contradicts the Bible. But what if the Bible being corrupted? Can the Quran be word of God? Go back again one step, please. No, why? And the Quran says this, and let the people of the gospel judge by what Allah has revealed therein. That's in chapter 5, verse 47. If the gospel being corrupted, why in the world the God of Islam asking us as Christians to be judged by a corrupted book? Next one. Say, O oh people of the scripture, which is mean Jews and Christians, you are on nothing until you uphold the Torah, the gospel, and what Allah, sorry, and what has been revealed to you from your Lord. Praise God here making, separating our God of Islam from our God. He said, your Lord, not ours. Great. But 
It says what, this verse? If you Christians and Jews, you have nothing to stand upon unless you believe in the Bible? No. It says uphold, to follow the laws of the Bible. How can I uphold and follow a corrupted book? And if I uphold and stand upon the Bible, I have no choice but to believe in the crucifixion of Jesus and to believe that Jesus is the Son of God. The Quran ordering us to believe that, to stand upon the salvation we have in Jesus. Next, no, sorry, back, <laughs> sorry. Uh, and the word of your Lord has been fulfilled in truth and in justice. None can alter his words. None can alter his words. My Muslim friend is telling me my Bible being corrupted. Your God says none can alter his words. None can change God's words. If the Bible being corrupted, go back, go, next, sorry. If the Bible being corrupted, then the Quran is still wrong. Because the Quran says the Bible cannot be corrupted and the Bible is reliable for us to follow. Then the Quran is not a choice for anyone to follow. If the Bible is a true word of God or is the Bible corrupted, still the Quran cannot be a choice for us to follow my Muslim friend. He needs to become an atheist, but he, he cannot follow that book. Because that book tells us to believe in that book. This is called what? The Islamic dilemma. This is the best arguments to use with any Muslim sworn. They bring objections against the deity of Christ or the Bible being corrupted or anything. Just bring them back to the Bible. Tell them, you know what? You want me to follow what you're telling me or to follow what the Quran says? The Quran says the Bible is a word of God and it cannot be changed. Is it clear? Mm -hmm. the, go back again, sister. The two verses you need to know is the second one, 568 and 6115. Just write them down. Just write the quotation, the, the reference, and you can look at them online. 568 and 615. The first one, it says the Bible is good for us to follow. And the second one, it says what? That no one can change God's words. It's very, very powerful. To use but what we need we need people to go out to reach out to these people they are here and they are hungry for the word of God would you please join us pray for us go out with us if you have the time we are going to Dearborn Michigan this coming month July 11 to the 18 please keep us in prayer just one correction I was not arrested three of our team members were arrested at the Dearborn Fest uh, outreach. We were doing outreach in the public sidewalk just for preaching the gospel. They were arrested. I fought this court case until I get to the Sixth Circuit Court to have the freedom back again to preach the gospel. They say, I cannot give out Bibles in the streets of Dearborn. This is the United States of America. I took it to court, I lost. I took it to federal court, I lost. But by God's grace, we won in the Sixth Circuit Court where we are continually going there. We're going to be visiting a thousand Muslim homes in one week. If you want to join us, I know it's short notice, but if you, want, you have the time and you want to join us, let us know. But also we're having a VBS for Muslim kids. Last year we have 50 Muslim kids came to the VBS. It was awesome. They are so open more than ever before to reach out. But fear can stop you from reaching out to these people. It's just my prayer that you will pray against the fear and you will have the courage to reach out to these people. Many of them, they are this close to, to receive Christ. It just takes time for you to go out and reach out to them. And also, 
The burden is not in your shoulder. You cannot convert or change anyone. It's for us to be ambassadors. The one who does the change is the Holy Spirit. It's not us. Don't think it's that too difficult to reach. There's nothing difficult for the Lord. He will reach out. Sorry. He will reach out to them. He will open their hearts to accept the gospel message. But it's for us to go out there and preach the gospel and the rest his work. If you have more questions, we have great resources, material. If you want outside, very limited. But uh, uh, it will be great if you come and meet with me as well. Thank you so much. And I'm sorry, maybe I went over a little bit. No, thank you so thank much. You, that you, was brother. wonderful. Thank you, brother. Hold on. We want to pray for you before you go. That's... Uh, that was wonderful. You know, um, what George was saying about the burden is not on us. The burden, the Lord takes care of these things. So you just be faithful. And, uh, you know, um, Dan, Daniel Messiah said in his book that, that uh, the way he came to the gospel was he heard the Lord's prayer. And he couldn't believe that God is his father. I mean, so the word of God is faithful and true. If, if you remember anything from tonight, remember to share the word of God with a Muslim. One Muslim we met at the Garden Grove Mosque. We were giving Bibles. Half an hour later, he called me. I, he asked me if I can meet with him. He came and met with me. He told me this. Ten years ago, someone gave me a Bible. I read it. I was searching for how I pray. I found the Lord's Prayer. Every time he'd been going to the mosque, he'd been reading the Lord's Prayer. When he's standing up, when he's sitting down, when he's bowing down, he read the Lord's Prayer. His wife from very fanatic family, they took the Bible from him. But he came that day to my office and crying tears. He said, I want the word of God. I want to tell people that I know Jesus. He said, every time he took a bath, he said, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and his desire to be baptized. These mosques are full with people searching and seeking the Lord. But it's for us to go out there and be available to share the love of Christ, to share the gospel message with these people. Share your story because it is not your story. It's Jesus' story in your life. Thank you. So we're going to pray for you, George. If Even if you are interested in just going out with George on a Friday to a mosque and doing evangelism, the doors are open. He takes people all the time. He'll even take you on a tour of a mosque. Uh, so some of you guys are like, uh, I don't know. But seriously, uh, consider that. And uh, he's got a lot of different ministries, all the uh, Arabic fairs that go on and festivals. J July 9th and 10th at Calvary Chapel Anaheim, we're having a training, seven different ministries coming together. And just two blocks away, there's the Arabic festival. 15,000 Muslims will be there. Can you just come and hand out Bibles? That's all yeah. we need you to do. So that's July 9th and 10th at Calvary Chapel, Anaheim. All right, we're going to pray for you, George. Lord God, Father, we just thank you so much for this man that you've raised up, Lord, that you've called out of the world and called into your kingdom. Lord, we thank you for the power, the living power of your word, Lord, the power to penetrate bone and marrow, Lord. God, the power to resurrect the dead, your word. And so, Lord God, we just pray you bless him, bless his ministries. Continue to let him get the word out, the gospel of peace to, to all those who are perishing, Lord. We, we pray, Lord, that uh, you'd bless his VBS this, this coming yes, summer. We pray that you bless the ministry to the Arabic festival. And we pray, Lord, that you protect them in Dearborn, Michigan. Lord, you go before them. You take care of them. Amen. You set their feet towards the plans that you have. So, Amen. Lord, we just ask for you to be with them, anoint them, empower them, and give them the right words to say. And we also ask for your provision for him Amen. and his wife and his family. And we ask this in your holy name and powerful one, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.